Salsa Heads, it's your host, tour guide, and captain of this ship, Trey K3, back for another episode of No Salsa. We got a spicy one for you tonight. We got two guests in the laboratory joining me this evening. Uh, Ryan and Ryan, old friends of mine that are starting their own podcast, are coming over to pick my brain for a little bit. So, one of them to sit in, and uh, we're going to be talking about who knows what, but I tell you one thing we are going to talk about is a show I saw on Netflix the other day called Doomsday Preppers. You may be familiar with these people. You may not, but you're definitely going to want to stick around because I gave the boys a homework assignment to watch a show before they got here so we can discuss. It's all coming up next on the No Salsa Podcast on Anchor FM forward slash Trey K3. Laboratory is open and your attention is requested. The No Salsa Podcast starts now. We are back, and as I promised, my boys have showed up. Ryan, Cuff. Cuff Daddy? We still call him Cuff Daddy? Call me that. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And my friend to the left, uh, probably one of the most knowledgeable sports guys you'll ever get to pick his brain. Ryan Mosley. How are you, man? I'm good, Trey. How are you, sir? All right. It's good to see you guys. We all kind of went our separate ways uh, last fall. We met on the job. Now we're doing bigger and better things. So it's kind of why you guys are here. Um, Welcome to my fifth episode. Thank you. Appreciate you having us. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Happy I, to be here. The laboratory is open. The laboratory in North Texas is open. Man, we're getting uh, crazy weather outside, so hopefully the Wicked Witch doesn't fly past my bedroom window. Yeah, I just got a text that the power at my house just cut back on, oh, so thank geez. goodness. That's, well, that's cut on or off? Could have just cut, cut back on. It was off for like about 10 minutes. Good. So, anything new with you or you that I need to know about before we get rolling here and digging into it? I haven't seen y'all in a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we got a lot of things going. I've got a lot of different projects that uh, that I'm working on uh, right now. Obviously, with Mo, we got a podcast coming out. It's called the Vision Lab. Super excited about it. So uh, we're in the lab, literally Perfect. in the lab, I like yep, it. in the lab, uh, getting things produced, getting good content ready for everybody. Um, so we're super excited about that. And that's kind of why you're here because we're buddies. Yeah, and we're all going to pick each other's brains. Get this uh, guerrilla marketing out for all of our podcasts. That's it. Yeah. Can you give me an idea of so the people are my people could easily be your people, and your people could definitely be my people. We're all people. Yeah. So, what is the show about? So, really, what it's about is um, self awareness, self empowerment, um, self actualization, um, really becoming the best version of ourselves. Uh, you know, Mosley and I. I like to smoke cigars, and so the centerpiece is cigars, and maybe right. you know some uh, your, your beverage of choice. But uh, you know, we that just would be a tub of Chico for me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> nice little sparkling water. Yeah. <laughs> and he is drinking uh, Orzarka yeah. tonight, so yeah, he's staying true. Hey, sure. Orzarka, if you're listening, I didn't mean to or tub of Chico. Maybe you guys could duel it out. First come, know. first serve. That's right. 
in the laboratory. Yeah, but, so, but you know, just really giving people an opportunity. We like to say that we're the voice for the voiceless, giving uh, people an opportunity to, you know, use us as a platform to launch their brand, launch their message to, uh, to their audience. Perfect. When can we expect to see you guys on the air? If all goes according to plan, which Lord knows we've done a lot of planning, um, it'll be end of May, beginning of June when the first episode will be out, if all goes according to plan. Hopefully you'll be back here before then. And Probably we, so. We'd love to have you on the show. Hey. You, you you will be on the show. I would love to, man. You will be on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll share our guest list with you. We'll make sure we get you we get, we get get you in line. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I kind of work my own schedule. I'm doing this podcast. It's always been a big deal for me. It's a big dream. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. But I'm excited that you guys are here tonight because... It gets lonely in the laboratory every now and then, man. I gotta have some people to talk to. So, Mosley, I know you haven't played video games since you were ten years old, but I gotta tell you. Can we, so, since, since you brought that up, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a unicorn, right? right. To, all, to all your listeners. So, yeah, I quit video games at ten years old. Um, I'm a former college defensive lineman who quit red meat at seventeen. Dang. I don't Ooh. eat eggs. I don't eat strawberries. I don't eat pasta, which means I don't eat macaroni and cheese. I'm a black man who does not eat macaroni well, and cheese. When you told me that, when we, I, you almost had to revive me. Because that's you're right. You, get, you, you gave me a very strange look. You're right. You're right. Um, For sure. It's one of those things to where macaroni and cheese, especially, was forced upon me as a child. And then, you know, you get to a certain age where they actually respect your opinion at the table, right? Right. And I just, I just don't like it. I quit red meat at 17 because I had an uncle who became a health nut. And one day we were playing dominoes and he just kind of scared me off red meat, told me about all the dangers about it. Yeah. And it stuck in your colon, like all the bad stuff that could happen to you from eating red meat. And I was at an impressionable age and that was it. I, I told Cuffy the other day, I literally can't tell you the last time I ate a piece of steak. Mm, I can't tell. No, I can't tell you the last time I had a hamburger. What about a veggie burger? Do you do veggie burgers? No, I basically yeah. live off of like chicken and seafood. Um, when I was in college, I essentially lived off of salads, tuna, any piece of fish or shrimp I could get my hands on. Um, and I would eat at night. You know, you hear the stories of people eating uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever at nighttime. Right, right. My nighttime meal was either Mott's applesauce or some form of oatmeal. Okay, so let me ask That's you That's what I lived off of in college. And Lipton's rice blitz. I didn't do ramen noodles, but Lipton rice How can blitz. you not do ramen noodles? Man, I think there's a part of me that likes to be a contrarian. Well, that's well. Yeah. Remember, I don't eat pasta, so hence no noodles, right? Okay. And then the fact that I'm a, there's a part of me that is very contrarian or whatnot, and so I just was in a grocery store one night, you know, poor college kid shopping like all of us had to do, and Lipton Rice Blitz showed up, and I was like, this looks interesting. I gave it a shot, and I was hooked. And, and then you quit playing Madden football, which is what I'm going with. All I quit playing video games at ten because even at that point, I thought it was a waste of brain power. See, that's crazy to me, and I'll tell you why. Because anybody that knows you, I mean. You, you used to work for ESPN. You had a show on ESPN for a while. You did a really cool show um, a couple of months ago where you were sitting with a couple of NFL veterans. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, we got some lined up for the Vision Lab, too. And I'm like, damn, dude, this guy is a baller. Now, you were my friend way before that. The three of us go back eight, nine, ten years. But here's where I was going with this because I work my own schedule. I got to jog my brain every once in a while and get ready for stuff like this. I just watched, I think Sunday when you called me and we put this thing this night together, I just watched the Madden Bowl oh, on YouTube. Yeah, and I, you weren't even watching the game. I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> I had never seen this guy. So the bottom line is, I want to be the 17-year-old kid in Spoto 
Claremont, Oklahoma. That I think he took second place. He won twenty grand. Twenty grand for playing a video game. So <laughs> interesting story. I, I was just driving over here, right, and, and I saw a gaming, like a, it's almost like a gaming restaurant or something like that. How dope would that be? Yeah. If you actually just said, look, you know, like a bar and, and restaurant, you can actually have like a gaming restaurant where you have all these different well, consoles. Yeah, Arcadia does that now. Is that really? Arcadia yeah, they, they, yeah, they've got a, a version of it. Yeah. That's, but I know what you're talking about, though. Like, you know, as far as you walk in and it's Madden, Madden on this, this, this part of the building yeah. and Call of Duty on this part of the building and Halo, Halo on this part. Yeah. It's, it's, it's people are like, oh, this guy doesn't play video games. Yeah. I was in college. I saw guys lose. Pale Grant money on video games, so I'm very aware of what's going on, what's going on out here. And I'm not a huge gamer, but it is kind of interesting to think, damn dude. And these guys are really good. Like they're flipping screens. And if you've ever seen Madden, it's come a long way since it came out in 1989, guys. I'm old enough. I had the very first Madden. Oh, I was wow. 12 years old. Wow. Don't date yourself. Yeah. So it's crazy to me to watch the progression of this. And now these kids, I think they said the grant the the total pool is seven hundred thousand dollars in prizes. This, tournaments generated giving out players football so a lot of scratch anyways do you think they're having fun though because it really becomes a job no not at that point there's if you're no, there's a lot of pressure how old are these kids are these teenagers well some of them are teenagers and some of them are grown-ass men like me that have been playing forever if you're doing something if it you're doing by the teenagers. if you're doing something on that level it's 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 not as fun as it was when you're doing something on the small level. Like like that ninja kid, right? He makes a few million bucks a year playing yes. video games. I read a story on him. And he basically plays video games 18, 19 hours a day. Nope. And Oof. takes a bit every day of the week except for Sunday. Sunday is when he kind of decompresses, if you will. And, you know, hangs out with his girlfriend or whatnot. Like he lives in Chicago, supposedly in the same neighborhood with a lot of Chicago Bears players or whatnot. But he he talks about in the article like he he struggles with like normal human interaction because his interaction for the most part with humans is 18 19 hours a day on the internet with somebody talking to him in his headphones or whatever because he streams when he plays his video games how right. he makes his money yeah. so even as much as he loves video games as a job at that point you're doing some 18 19 hours a day that's a, a lot job. That, that's too much of anything I couldn't do anything for 18 19 hours I couldn't even sleep that long I mean I tell you what I played one game and I'm not a big gamer, but I kind of I play the EA Sports games, and we'll wrap this up uh, pretty quick after this because we've got bigger and better things to talk about. But 18 or 19 hours, and maybe this is because of my age, but dude, how does that guy have not have tendonitis already? Man, his hands falling off. Like that's 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 a lot of time to be sitting in front of a screen, or his eyes are bugging out. So I couldn't imagine. Speaking of bugging out, we're gonna take a quick break. And we're going to talk about the homework I gave you guys uh -oh. right. and the doomsday preppers. You guys stick around. We'll be right back on No Salsa. All right, we're back. And this is going to be the meat of the show. I had never heard of this show. Like I said, before before <laughs> I get into it, and mostly I'm glad you've never heard of it either because I've heard of it. I never watched it. Right, me too. And I don't know a lot about these people, but I find subcultures and these different niches of people very interesting. And if you don't know what we're talking about, I will tell you we're talking about the show Doomsday Preppers on Netflix. <laughs> and if you don't know what a Doomsday Prepper is, 
This is not to offend anybody that might be prepping while you're listening to me right now. But I think these people are a little weird. I'm a little weird. We're all a little weird. But these guys, I got a clip I want to play. So the, the, the theory behind this guy was what? His name is Johnny. He lives over Johnny on the o. East Coast. Johnny O. <laughs> he lives next to what? Four nuclear uh, reactors? Yeah, he lives next to four nuclear power plants uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and, and really what's crazy, he's 150 miles away. See, I thought that was interesting too. Like he's not even. It's not like he's 15 miles away. He's 150 yeah, miles. Like he's away. not down the street. He's he's got a good distance between himself and the nuclear reactors. But but what's crazy is he's looking for terrorist attacks on the nuclear power plant that would then cause everyone to come up in this huge panic. Right. <laughs> flee, and then somehow, some way, migrate directly to where he to, yeah. directly where he lives at. Right. So here's. And there was something interesting that he said. He said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm obsessed with living. living. And I think he's lying. Because <laughs> let me add, let me tell you something. If shit like that goes down around here in North Texas, guess what? I'm not preparing like this guy is. Let's play this clip real quick. And we'll kind of tell everyone what they uh, are talking about here. Let me see if I, I got this queued up here. Listen to this. We're preparing for a series of terrorist attacks on the nuclear facilities of this country. And then it goes straight to a clip of him and his wife and her twin sister, who is what, what do they call her? The backup wife. Yeah. In case anything happens. Yeah. That was, that, that was weird in its own right. The backup wife. This for those guy. who hadn't seen the episode yet. And it's like, okay, Listen. you're, you're, you're being real greedy right now, but okay. Right. Anyway. So that's for real. Like he has uh, a contingency plan and then he's got 12 other plans behind it. Redundancy. Yeah, Redund- that, that, hyper redundancy. Hyper redundancy. I don't know, man. Is this a white people thing? Is that black? Are there yeah, black doomsday preppers? You knew I was going to ask you that because I think this is just a white thing. So, so you know, I think we have, we definitely have some black hoarders. Uh-huh. I, I don't know of any uh, black doomsday I don't preppers. Either. You know what, dude? And, and My dad's a pack rat. Um, I mean, like if computers crash, right? Like people like my dad are going to be back in style. Like my dad still owns a typewriter, like a working typewriter, right? Yeah. But I mean, a black doomsday prepper? Nah, nah, nah. If if if, if there are any out there, they're they're not um they're not waving a flag saying, "Hey, come check me out." We well, traded see, we traded them for Gary Owen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my man. Here's my here's my team. I see this guy. And he's constantly. The thing that blew me away was when he did that preparation drill, where yeah. he told, oh. where he told the family. <laughs> that's why. That's the reaction I wanted to hear, Mo, because I knew you would trip out on this. So this guy basically, he did a hide and go seek. Like that's basically this, what it was. Is hide and go seek. It, it got dark, and all of a sudden, this guy's in, out, a, in a ghillie suit. Yeah, is that what they're called? It's a ghillie suit. He's in a ghillie suit, which looks like a big old fishnet with leaves on it. He's crawling around the bottom and he's talking to the camera and they show his wife and they're like, well, I don't, I don't see, see anybody <laughs> out there. Yes, we're safe. And this dude has two small kids. And what does he do? He sneaks into his own house. <laughs> Did you see when they had the camera pan over to him and he touches the, uh, the, the door handle and he slowly opens it and then he crawls in and he's like, hey, 
Spoiler alert! How cool would it have been if they'd like been prepping for him and had the door handle hot like uh, Macaulay Culkin Home Alone? Yeah. How awesome would that have been if he touched that door handle? Oh my gosh. And another thing I think is bizarre is he's tripping his kids out. He's flipping these kids out. Like they looked legitimately scared. The women looked legitimately scared too. The, the, the women looked like they failed an SAT test and found out their score at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. And they're just looking like. What are we supposed to say next? We're not so sure. This is how we live. He does this to us every day. Morse code, please get us out of here now. Like, someone to come and rescue us. And then they show him the next day climbing up a tree in a, on a telephone pole with a walkie-talkie in that ghillie suit. The bird is in a crow's nest. I, I don't know, man. Like, So let me ask you this. I, okay, so the, the twin sister. Can you, What was that conversation like when you're like, hey, um, Johnny want you to move in with us in case something happens to me to me and you slide in and take my place so okay since we since you opened that door right yeah, i'm glad you did the whole backup wife thing i think that's just beginning of polygamous camp i'm sorry man like they're twin sisters you know the backup wife so so let's just say for kicks and giggles that a terroristic attack happens on the, the nuclear plants that are 150 miles from this guy's place <laughs> Humanity goes to a panic, rushes the land that he and his family live on. His wife is, you know, overrun by, you know, zombies or whatnot. So yeah. then, as he go to his wife's twin sister and say, "Hey, you got a side in her place now. We got to keep that's procreating for humanity's sake." Like, did she did she really really agree to that? I don't know, man. That's what tripped me out, and that's why I I couldn't get past. I watched the episode. I asked you guys to watch ten times because I'm thinking, dude, this guy's raising chickens in his house. Mm -hmm. To show farming, yeah. Darwinism, Darwinism, <laughs> like a dead baby chick. Little girl wakes up to brush her teeth to go to school, and, and all of a sudden, a dead baby chick in their kitchen. Like I don't think that's exactly he sanitary. Just, he just threw it in the trash. He threw it in the trash. He didn't, <laughs> didn't even top of the trash. He didn't even put it in a plastic bag and double wrap it and put it in the trash can. He just had a dead bird exposed in the kitchen in a trash can with little kids around. And the little girl said, "That's why we have more." And she threw her hands up in the air like. You know, it's okay, now. We, it's got, all right. we got 11 more. What did you say? You know, like we have, you know, plant A and B, and then we're prepared for C, D, E, F, so on and so forth. And, and you know, he, he prepped that piece of land, and he's like, oh, I got another place prepped 50 miles down the road, or whatever. It's at an undisclosed, undisclosed location. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. So I don't know if this guy, we're not doctors, so we're not going to say this guy's crazy, but I think no, he's this crazy. Is, I think he's crazy too. Okay, we'll say it. He's crazy. Is this all this guy does in these doomsday preppers? So that's what I was free thinking. time. So that's exactly what I was thinking. He's a landscaper, right? right. And, and no disrespect to that profession, right? right. But the, his outfit on how he had everything set up in case of you know this this emergency that what what happened, all the great lengths that he went to 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 get all this stuff prepared. I'm just thinking to myself, when do you work? Right. And, and well, I think they said he might have been retired, but maybe not. But he didn't look old enough to be retired. No, I don't think he was because. Well, let's let's say let's say he's semi-retired or or he had enough money stashed away in the bank. I mean, he's growing his own food. He's got his own got his own protein, with the chickens and whatnot. Right. My whole thing is some little ass chickens, though, man. If something were to actually jump off and he had to actually put all this planning into action. He's by himself. Like these little girls aren't going to be able to do anything. His wife and the backup wife, like in all honesty, like what good are they going to be? They're going to go into scramble mode. What? Like you sitting up there in that crow's nest that you put on the side of that tree. You saw how prepared they were when he snuck in the house. Exactly. <laughs> like 
if, if it were, were to really go down up there in that remote area of Pennsylvania, like he might as well just give up the gusto and be every man for himself or tell everybody, hey, we're going to get in that boat in our ghillie suits and act like we're fo- floating logs. Yeah, that was, that's what made me laugh the most is when all three of them were in that canoe. Where are the children while the three of them, you got Johnny O, his wife, and backup mom are all hunched down looking like you know trying to be like, not like the loud nest monster rowing in this little canoe that you they used on gilligan's island he's like yeah we look like we like a floating log no you look like three people in a ghillie suit hunched over in a boat they tried to be a modern day bird box essentially <laughs> yeah basically yeah god man i don't know and i think that it's so interesting because we could pick this thing apart all day but i want to get back real quick when we were talking about it, we kind of steered around, which is fine. We do that here all the time. I know Saul, it ain't no big deal to me. This thing, it's, all, it's, always, it's always fun to do this. Sure. When he when he snuck into his own house, because that's real hard, <laughs> they showed him coming up the stairs from like a basement area or some shit like that. And he goes, you know why we do this? To show that everyone's vulnerable and that anybody can come get you at all times. And then you got the Apocalypse Twins looking like the Shining Twins in their kitchen, just like... That's right, and they and the baby's like crying, and the the little the little girl she looks possessed already. God bless her, dude. <laughs> you see her saying him the pledge of allegiance on her front porch. Yes. yes. Did you see his look in his eye when he was? Dude, he, that dude was so intense from the very beginning. Listen. That was one of the first things I noticed was like his intensity was like oh, it was a scale of one to ten. He was a fifteen for sure. Well, he was talking about redundancy and got through almost the whole alphabet about the different plans they have and. You know, they, they know if they see this backward crow sign on the front porch that she's supposed to go meet me where we first kissed at some remote location. By the way, thanks, like, for, thanks for telling everybody where your secret hiding spot well, is. Well, and that's kind of where I want to end this real quick. Number one, before we get there, they were going to drink their pool water. They yeah, 500 gallons of pool water in a hot tub. They don't. I don't think they ever swim in that. They're using that for water storage. Mm-hmm. Not, not to mention the rainwater they're collecting. When the shit goes down, oh yeah, they're collecting rainwater. But yeah. Here's my biggest thing. How many terrorists are subscribed to Netflix and thinking, you know what? That would be a great thing to do. <laughs> He's, uh, I'm like, dude, you're exposing us. Be quiet. I don't know. I, I had heard the show Doomsday Preppers, but I had never actually sat and watched an episode until you until you told us that was our homework assignment. I'm yeah, like, man. man this, this is a special cat here. Now, now let me ask you this. <laughs> How funny was it? I, at least I thought it was funny. Right. You know, at the very end of the of, of this segment, they grade the uh, the participants. Their preparedness. Their, their preparedness. Oh, dude, right? that guy looked possessed. Like, what did I get in plus? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a score out of uh, zero to a hundred, and you get it's five different categories. Right. You get twenty points per category, and I don't know all the. I think it was like food, shelter, secu- security, and then they had like a, uh, a dual wide category. <laughs> he got twenty on that one. <laughs> and, and then at the end, they graded him out of the sixty-eight. You know what happens when you get a 68 in school? Your mom swats your ass and says you're going to tutoring. That's what happened to Lake Highlands when I grew up. So, (laughs) hey, we got Cuff, Mo, TK3. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into something that I planned just for you guys. All right. This is a surprise segment since you guys are going to do your own thing. Uh I got an article I read on Medium. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hashtag no... All right, so 
Now that I got two males in the room, because usually I do this in the laboratory by myself. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that I do by myself now that I'm single. Do we need to step out? And we're at Trey 2.0. No, no, no. We're all good. Um, I want to talk about the, the video I saw last week of the Giants fans mm. eagerly anticipating the Dwayne Haskins draft pick. I think some guy, I think I saw one guy already had a Haskins jersey on. And lo and behold, the Giants shocked the nation. What do you think about Daniel Jones? And I want to get into Kyler and all the obvious stuff too, but Mo. I gotta know what you're thinking as a former ESPN guy when Daniel Jones got picked. I had never heard of Daniel Jones, and I know he's never heard of me, so I think we're fair there. <laughs> right. Um, what, what do I you think? think? About, what I think about Daniel Jones? Okay, so I think he's an NFL quarterback, right? Okay, you know, tutored by Cutcliffe, you know, played at Duke, you know, got Duke to a bowl game, blah, 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 right? So he's an NFL quarterback. Right. Now, did the Giants have to go and get him at the number six spot? No. They essentially paid 100 bucks or something. They probably could have paid 35 or 44 Okay. On top of that, what makes him look so strange, and what really makes Gettleman look so strange, GM there, is like, as good as Saquon Barkley is, uh-huh. you passed on Sam Darnold, you passed on Josh Allen, you passed on... Uh, uh, who's the other guy? And Josh Rosen last year to draft Daniel Jones. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. I heard that earlier. Cuff, what do you think? Well, I think it was a knee-jerk reaction. Um, you know, now, here's the deal. The, the NFL is a huge fraternity, right? Right. So you've got Cutcliffe that uh, essentially coached uh, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning right? And, and, and all of his, while he was getting ready for the draft. Both from New Orleans. Both of them from New Orleans. And so then you've got him getting uh, Eli Manning ready to go. So I do see why they made that pick. They felt uh, comfortable with it. Right. They, they know the history of Cutcliffe. Um, what I don't get is why jump so high for this kid. He, he I mean, what was... I don't know what number he was. I didn't know Duke had a football team. I'll be real honest with you. I know they got a great lacrosse team. I got some good friends out there that I was introduced to the sport of lacrosse, which we'll get into later. And I don't mean to interject, but I legitimately did not know they had a football team. I knew they were a basketball school. They got lacrosse. All of a sudden, Daniel Jones at six. I think, I think that's the biggest thing. If they have took Daniel Jones at 17 with their other draft pick, most people would have been like, oh, okay. But if Haskins is sitting right there, at the sixth spot, who's got roots in New Jersey? Why, why, why are you going? Why are you picking the guy who, in some draft boards, was the fourth or fifth quarterback? That's when, what I was getting. When the when the second rated, when the universal, when the universally agreed upon second rated quarterback is sitting right there in front of you, right? And from what I've heard and what I've seen, no one was taking him. No one was taking no. him before the 17th pick. No, not at all. Do you think he could have waited to the second round? 100%. I do. There been a shot there there was a shot you could have got him in the second round. Right. But getting him at 6 was it's again like I said they they paid 100 bucks and they could have bought the same item for 35 or 40. So did you hear what Dwayne Haskins said now that he's a Redskin and we're all Cowboys fans. Yeah. So, you know, we got to keep a close eye on this, which is why I want to start with this. Dwayne Haskins said, well actually they had a elite clip of him laughing. Have you seen the clip where he's no, laughing? If you haven't seen it, get on YouTube and Google Dwayne Haskins laughing. sitting there with his cell phone? Yeah. I saw it. He just gave it. this look like, wow, did that really just happen? All right, let's roll them, whatever. And then I mean, he gets picked by the Redskins. 
Fifteen. Let me say this: Is he an immediate starter? I don't know about immediate, but uh, I mean, pretty close. You think Alex Smith? You know, I think he's done. He 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 might he might not ever play football again, right? Right. And if he does, he might might not ever be completely right. You know, obviously they're not they're not you know putting the franchise in the hands of Colt McCoy long term. No, who is a cowboy killer though? And Case Keenum is and Case Keenum is a journeyman. So. At a certain point in time, yeah, it's going to be Dwayne Haskins' show. So, you know, time will tell, and the New York Giants are going to have to see Dwayne Haskins twice a year. It's going to look really strange for, you know, if he's out there killing Daniel Jones twice a year when he was sitting right there for y'all to take him. Were you surprised? Was there any surprise? Or uh, Kyler went first, obviously. No, not at all. Allen, Texas? Not at all. Eagle. I mean... That had to be the, the, the when when they went and hired Cliff Kingsbury. I'm sure Kingsbury, before he signed signed his name on a contract, said, "Okay, you're hiring me because you think I'm an offensive genius. I want a guy who can run my offense." And I've been trying to get Kyler Murray since he was a sophomore in high school. Did, did you hear what Josh Rosen said though? He said uh, it's getting a little distracting around here. He, he Are you talking was, about prior to the draft? No, at, like basically after the draft, he was shocked that they picked Kyler Murray. He had no idea that it was going to happen. Oh come on. He had to have known something. If he was truly shocked, his agent and the people around him did not do a good job of telling him the truth. And one of my things in regards to myself, I don't lie to myself, Josh Rosen was lying to himself. Does he still believe in Santa Claus? Because if he believes he was still going to be hanging around with the Cardinals, I'm talking about their physical fat man coming down the chimney, not the spirit. So save your emails. (laughs) Save your emails. I got it. But that Santa Claus, like, come on, dude. It's, you are not uh, staying in Arizona. Again, it's, you know, if if, if I'm a player there and for the Cardinals and they tell me, hey, Cliff Kingsbury is our new head coach. If I'm an offensive lineman and I can't pass block, I can tell my agent, hey, you probably want to start trying to find me another place to play. If I'm a receiver and, you know, getting open in space really quickly is not necessarily my, my thing, probably need to find somewhere else to play. Yeah, but if you gotta remember he's that he was on his rookie deal, or he is on his rookie deal. So it's not like you can request a trade, you know, in year one. You can't request a trade, but you shouldn't be shocked at the fact that a guy who is coming from that offensive tree, and there's a guy sitting there who he's known since the kid was 15 years old. You shouldn't be shocked that hey, this guy new coach wants this guy handpicked to run his show. That shouldn't be a shock. Let me ask you this. Is Miami a good fit for Rosen? I think both those teams are pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah, well, the Arizona Cardinals have been notorious for mismanaging their teams for decades. Right. Outside of the one year that they made it to the Super Bowl. And like a a good three, four-year run. Yeah, but, I mean, they just don't do a good job from a management perspective of putting talent in Arizona. Speaking of Arizona, I want to ask, well, I want, I want your opinion on this first. Cuff, I definitely want your opinion on this. I looked at Baker Mayfield's contract earlier today because I didn't know what – he got a pretty big contract because he was a number one pick last year. Right. $32 million for four years. I think he got an $8 million signing bonus. That's going straight off the top of my head. Okay. I could be wrong. What kind of money is Kyler going to get? Uh, How so many years? If Baker's, if Baker's contract was four years, it was probably five. They, they always had a fifth-year option. Year with the fifth-year option. Yeah, so let's just say for the for purposes of this conversation, let's say Baker's was four years and 32. Uh, Kyler would probably get four years and 33 or 34. Because that first-round money, most I mean, really all those the, all those contracts 
or rookie deals are all slotted, right? So right. there's just a, an incremental jump year by year. So it's like I said, Baker was four and thirty-two. Kyler would be four and thirty-four, four and thirty-five. It won't. It won't be a, a, a massive, won't be a massive jump. Yeah, it'll probably be in that neighborhood of about thirty-three, no more than thirty-three and a half. Yeah. Signing, Baker's uh, signing bonus was like twenty-one point eight. Okay. Right. So you got to figure. And kudos to Murray. Right. Right. Uh, he had three million dollars in, in his pockets. Already. Essentially, with the Oakland Athletics, basically said, "Hey, I'm going to turn that down, give a shot to football." He's already made his money. He didn't give a shot to football. I well, I'm about, talking about with the sal- with respect to, to like, the, the salary and the, the money. Yes, and I think I think it was I think he was playing football the whole time. I think just having the A's and that money in his pocket was just a security blanket in case he came up hurt. Right. I think Colin Murray likes baseball. Colin Murray loves, loves football. Yeah. Right. And he said that in his interviews. You know, yeah. if you listen to like all of his pressers, signing with the A's was merely. As, a, as, yeah, as opposed to getting an insurance policy, if you were just a one-sport athlete like some of these guys do now, the A's were his insurance policy. So did you see on the schedule week 15, it's Kyler versus Baker? I'm sure there'll be somebody's primetime game or oh, some, somebody's man. 3 o'clock window yeah. on Sunday afternoon. But the thing it's going to be I mean, good. The Sooners fans will be tuning in. You guarantee you that will oh, be primetime in Oklahoma in the central time zone where we're at. When we're in Texas and not Oklahoma. But well, but it's not even really going to be a game. I mean, the, the Brownies should take that game. Even I saw on paper right now. I I'm glad you brought that, them up. I saw something today that said the Browns are going to try to trade for Gerald McCoy. And shout out to John, uh, what's his, uh, the GM name there. Uh, it'll, it'll come to me in a second. He's doing it right. Like, you got a star quarterback on a rookie deal, so you go blow out the budget on everything else around until you got to pay him and build the actual show around him. John Dorsey. John Dorsey, absolutely. Yeah, he's That's, good, man. Like, well, they're loaded on defense already, and then you go and trade. Essentially, they're just talking about a proposed trade of sending Duke Johnson to Tampa for Gerald McCoy. Do it. So let me absolutely. ask you this. Make some rookie deal. Go for broke. I always hesitate to cheer for teams like the Lakers earlier this year that overload on talent. Because it's a big ego fest, and they seem to not work well together in their first year. Is this Cleveland Browns team going to be the same way? I think we treat it differently because it's the Cleveland Browns. Right? They've been dog shit. For They've years. been terrible for for decades, right? And I think they're the NFL's version of the Cubs. You know, right. We, yeah. Exactly. Like we we want to see. But not everybody loves the Browns. Like I don't love the Browns. But I'm, I'm kind of like keeping one eye on them. Ninety nine percent of me, or ninety seven percent of me. Always gonna 100 percent of me is gonna watch the Cowboys. When they're not on, I don't mind watching the Browns because Baker went to Texas Tech and Baker went to OU. Now, you know, I know a lot of Red Raiders don't want to watch it. Well, yeah, they need to get over. And it. I don't mean to get off track, right? Because it's the NFL. Yeah, they, they need to get over it and, and you know blame it on Coach Bro for not having the foresight, right? But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Right. I'm starting. I, honestly, I'm starting to become a, a brownie. Who's you know? not going to want to be? I, I, I want to see them do well. When I saw Everyone on Twitter, wants to see the underdog win. That OBJ was going to Cleveland. I had to do. I literally did a double take, and I had to squint a little bit because you know I can't see very well. <laughs> just but and then I thought, holy shit, man! And then there was a rumor that Earl Thomas was trying to go over there too, and I thought, dude, how much money do these guys have? I mean, it's, it's in, in NFL free agency, man. Somebody's talking, they're lying. Like, True. it's you don't believe anything until people start pulling out pens and actually putting their names on pieces of paper. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an experiment we're all going to be very interested to watch. Um, 
you know, Odell has the stigma attached to him that he's, you know, not necessarily rap tight or for whatever reason you think, but the fact that he's on the team with Jarvis Landry, who's like his brother, mm-hmm. unless something goes completely haywire. Both I think, played LSU, correct? Yep. yep. Um, unless something goes completely haywire, I think you're going to see a very good version of Odell. Like, you're not going to see the outburst and things like that because – He's not gonna. He's not gonna be upset that his boy Jarvis Landry's out there shining. Right now, the pregame dance routines and all that. Get ready, just just get ready. We're gonna see those to the to the tenth, to the tenth degree. Um, but I mean, they're loaded. I mean, on paper, the Browns should win the division. They, they came be, in third last year in their division and almost went to playoffs. Right. They should be very competitive. I, I'm gonna say this right now. This isn't their year. 2020. Watch out. Okay. So let me ask you this. Let's pivot off this real quick. We were talking about money earlier. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Baker money. We were talking about Kyler money. And I have a question for you, too. What you want to do with this? Sure. Dak Prescott mm. is about to get paid. Pay him now. How much is he going to get? I've heard rumors of $168 million. Pay him now. That will make him the highest paid cowboy of all time. You, well, he's going to be the highest paid cowboy yeah. of all time anyway, whenever he signs a deal. That's but, the salary. But pay him now. Like okay. pay, pay him now because you got to think about it. Uh, Carson Wentz is going to get a new deal at some point because he was a first round pick. Uh, Jared Goff's going to get a new deal at a certain point, first round pick. Uh, before you know it, Aaron Rodgers will try to re up, um, and Pat Mahomes is going to reset the entire market. So, do you want to be proactive or reactive? Yeah. Like, I always say I want to be him, proactive. Pay, pay him you, as soon as possible. Are you saying one sixty eight over five? That's what I've heard. Okay, so that's why that I'm was not... two weeks ago. Because that's probably old news by now. Well, here's the deal: you're, you're overpaying. You're overpaying now to not have to overpay later. If right. That makes sense. He's going to get that money one way or the other. Yeah. So you might as well just say, "Hey, pay it we're going to do this either way." It, here, his market value in, in actuality is around twenty-two a season. Right. Right. No, twenty-two million. Right. So, but what's happening is because Russell West, uh, Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson yep. Reset the bar. Okay. And Pat Mahomes is going to reset well, reset be, after that. But before that, you're going to... Didn't Ben R just redo his? Yeah, Big Ben just redid yeah, Big Ben just, just redid his. And so now you know Aaron Rodgers is going to have his redone. He, he's he's not going to sit... Because I think he's getting around 34, isn't he? Yeah, 33, 34. Andrew Luck will be up again in a, lot, in a hot second. So it's one of those things to where, like, guys who most people would say are better quarterbacks than that are coming up for new deals or coming up time to re-up. So the market's going to get reset again. Right. So if you're the Cowboys and you're trying to keep Dak long term, which I think they are, pay him now. Like, yes, go ahead and bite the bullet right now. Like, do you want to bite on this 22 or do you want to get shot by that sniper rifle in a couple months? But, but here's where it gets even more crazy. Because, okay, let's get Dak done now. Fine, whatever. Twenty. His numbers right now is are between 28 to 32, 33. Okay? Well, the one problem with that is... Dak is your quarterback, but who does the offense run through? Zeke. Right. So now I think you're going to have a disgruntled Zeke because they'll franchise tag him next year. Well, Gurley's about to get a new contract too, so it's kind of the same uh, Gur- thing. No, Gur- Gurley's contract is about to kick in. Oh, it's about to and kick Steven in. And okay. is already on record of saying, we understand what Todd Gurley's getting paid and, and Zeke's going to be in that neighborhood. Sure. I think what their plan Are is. Are you going to tie up $70 million between two players? Here's what I think their plan is. And this is, you know, we talked about the draft, right? Here's what their plan is going to be. If, if, they're, if you read the tea leaves, you pay Dak at some point this year. Well, first of all, you get Amari Cooper done so you can lower his cap number, right? Then you give you more money to play with. Where's he at? 15? 
Or 19. I think his this is like this is his fifth year option year. I believe he's getting 13 or 14, I think. So you get his contract extended so you can lower his cap number and have more money to play with. Then you get Dak done. And you explain to Zeke, hey, we're gonna do Dak now, and we will do yours next. We're gonna we, they just picked up his option, but you explain to Zeke, hey, we want you to be here long term. We're gonna do Dak this year. And we're going to do your deal next year. So don't get your feelings hurt like Des Bryant did a couple years ago. Well, I mean, you're, you're on your rookie deal. You're going to get paid like nine, ten million dollars or whatnot. Like right. you're on your rookie deal. Like we're, we're, you tell Zeke just like just like we told Tank Lawrence, we're going to take care of you. You tell Zeke. Yeah, but they didn't want to pay, take care of Tank Lawrence. They didn't want to give Tank Lawrence Khalil Mack money, which which he ended up getting. Uh, he, he came in. He just, actually set the bar for the guy that Frank Wilson, right? He he came in uh, just beneath Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. So the, the thing was, they were like, okay, you have Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald who were like, you know, the the, the stratosphere, right? And then they were like, there's a there's a, a, a gap between what Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, and Von Miller, and then there's a gap. And, and they, they, were like, and they put DeMarcus Ware in that gap between those three and everybody else underneath him and whatnot. Frank Clark just signed us. I think he got like one or two million less than DeMarcus okay. uh, Lawrence did or whatnot. But that's their plan. Pay Dak, pay Z. It's not going to work. Well, time will, time will tell. Because you got 22 tied up in, in Amari. You got Tank that you just took care of. You're going to give Dak 33? So, not so you got to pay him so, down. Yeah, you, you got to try, try to keep Dak at 30. You, you got to get Dak under 30. Okay. That will be great. So along with this strategy, here's what else I'm hearing. Okay. Uh, that the Cowboys played Moneyball through their draft so they doing? could afford Eric Berry. True or false? Barry's been available though. Yeah, I don't think you got. I don't think you're, you're not gonna have to pay Eric Berry a whole bunch of money because he's coming off that injury, right? And then do you think the Cowboys will sign him before the season starts? I hope they do. I hope they, I hope they do as well. You talking about Moneyball? I think that offensive line they drafted out of Penn State, uh, Lyle Collins won't be here after next year. I know, and I'm so disappointed about that too. So this is what they're doing. If you're paying attention, like, okay, we're going to pay our quarterback top line money. We have to pay our receiver top line money. We have to pay, we're paying Demarcus Lawrence top line money. Just we're to, sign Frederick and, and uh, yeah, like we're, we're paying offense. We're paying some offensive linemen top money. We came pay back, Z. so By, Byron Jones we're probably not going to be able to pay him top line money. So but they're restocking the coverage. So it's like we got all this, yeah. you know, top of the funnel. Right. Uh, pay, pay these propositions were top of the funnel. Then everybody else got to be on minimum wage. I like what you just said. Restocking the cupboards. Did you That's say what they got to do? That's hilarious. And yeah, it's true. You have a choice. Yeah. Doomsday prepping. Truth, you know, truth, ready. Truth be told. Cowboys doomsday prepping. Truth be told, you know what? This is honestly, it's a symptom of the Cowboys actually drafting really, really well. Right. So, but the thing is, it just kind of all hit at once. They're but drafting their butts off. Like, with the exception of Taco Charlton, the Cowboys are hitting on their draft picks. I, but you know what's really interesting about that? Is Jerry's the one that started all this with In the regards. salary cap. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it comes comes full, full circle. circle. Yes. <laughs> What's yeah. crazy. They're drafting their butts off, though. I thought getting into this draft, the Cowboys obviously didn't have a number one pick. And we'll take a little break after this for a second. But we've been picking Boise State's backyard mm. for a long time. With Tristan Hill coming along and UCF doing so well last year, is UCF going to be a breeding ground for the Cowboys to pick another college for us to kind of – Pickpocket out of where no one's going. That, I would say it depends on Tristan Hill and how he handles himself here. Yeah. He's uh, got a little bit of a behavior problem, doesn't he? Or an attitude problem. Man, it's this thing about it. So, like, from talking to dudes who play the NFL, like, literally, like, having real conversations with them. I had one. Yeah, had, you know. Had a conversation with one the other night. 
it's literally this, like I said, this time of year. So if an agent's talking or a personnel guy's talking, don't believe what they got to say. Okay. This is literally the, the this is the time of year where, hey, we want you. We're going to put stuff out there to demean your character and, and bring your bring your price down because of the, the American way. We want the most out of somebody for the least amount of money. I will say this, and I know we got to cut to break here in a second, but Josh Heupel is from, uh, you know, the Southwest. Right. You know. Played at so, OU. Played at OU. Um, had some coaching time here in the Southwest. And so I think there's some familiarity. And that's all this league is about is who you know. So I do – I can see a transition moving into the UCF kind of, uh, you know, uh, line of, of players that they can bring into to Dallas. So it would be interesting. Uh, they got a lot of talent out at UCF. Uh, shout out to the Knights. Um, I think they're going to be on to do some, you know, really, really good things. Did they go – were they undefeated this year? Uh, no, they lost to LSU. I think they lost to Memphis, too, only because I had money on that game. Or maybe they didn't beat the spread. I don't know. No, no they, they, they did not beat the spread. They lost to LSU in that bowl game. That's right. Interesting. You heard it first from Bo and Cuff. TK3, no sauce of sports. Be right back. Man, I'll tell you what, I've had fun with you guys tonight. we got time for some more intelligent conversation. Um, I'm going to do something different because I've never had two guests on this show before. I have a couple things that I want to talk about, but you know what? We can talk about that stuff next time. So I'm going to turn it over to Rye Squared. I don't know what we're going to call you guys yet, but you'll definitely be back. we got something in the works for that. So There's, there's a logo in development. Okay. Vision Lab. Remember that. Absolutely. I'm going to flip the topic on you because you guys have obviously been brainstorming, getting ready for your launch for your podcast at the end of May, uh-huh. early June. That will yep. be stated. Yep. What do you guys want? Got any ideas? What do you want to close the show out with? I'll give you the, I'll give you the steering, throw you the keys. Uh, so we've been talking obviously in between breaks and we've talked about the NFL, uh, NBA playoffs, um, and then you mentioned the word money, right? So we're all men, we're all, you know, are married or have been married, you know, whatever, whatever point, point of the boat you're in, right? Sure. So here's a question to both of you, and there's follow-ups behind it. We'll just see where this goes. Okay. Uh, you wake up tomorrow, and you're a multi-millionaire, as mm-hmm. in, like, you're not, you're no longer worried about anything, right? Right. What are some of the first things you do? Uh, hire an attorney and hire a CPA. Okay. After, after I pinch myself. Okay, then what? And then I pull my pants up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I change my telephone number and I leave town. I've thought about this before. You talking about like that guy in Wisconsin who won $700 million? Not necessarily him, but I did see that. That guy. It was like 20 something years old, wasn't he? 24 years yeah, old. 24 years old. I saw that. One ticket. I didn't even know that lottery was going on. I didn't either. He won. He took the net payout. He like won four hundred and sixty-eight million dollars. And I think there's like one more level of taxes in Wisconsin gets like three hundred and forty or something like that. Not to derail, but do you know that Wisconsin sells more winning lottery tickets than anywhere else in the United States? I'm moving to Green Bay. Yep, man. It, they actually did. In, you know these shows they do about I, when I won the lottery, and they show all the people who end up. Sadly, a lot of them end up killing themselves. Yeah, but it's crazy. That that's why you know. And I'm glad that I brought that up. And I mean, I know Cuff's going to answer this question too. 
I would probably pray first and say, thank you, God. Amen. Okay. And prevent, please make me different than the others that you've given this opportunity to because. Allow me to be a good steward. That's right. You said it for me. Um, tough? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, obviously, the first thing I'm going to do is, is pray and just show my, my level of gratitude. Um, you know, I think it, let me, let me start like this. I'm going to pray. Definitely love the idea of getting an attorney and a CPA, but I'm going to go into work and I'm going to work for the next week, two weeks, a month. Nothing changes. I think that's the biggest problem is that a lot of people change their lifestyle and then you automatically become this money magnet Mm -hmm. where people out of the woodworks come and, you know, Hey, I need this. I need that. So on and so forth. Right. Uh, so I'm going to work, you know, for two, four weeks, whatever that looks like. Um, and then I'm going to stop, I'm going to, you know, quit and I'm going to give that. That's what life is about. It's about giving. Um, I'm going to give my 10% for my tithes. And one of the dreams that I have is to actually open up a sports facility for my church and, or build a church. So I go to Shoreline City in Garland, uh, off of uh, Garland Road in, uh, in, in Garland, Texas. Um, shout out to Pastor Earl. And so it would be my dream to actually build a church with the athletic facility equipped with, you know, weight room and, and uh, basketball courts, tennis courts, you know, the full a ministry athletic village. A hundred percent. Then then what I'm doing is I'm going to travel the world. And I'm going to take my wife and mm-hmm. my kids and we're going to, you know, go see the world and have experiences uh, like none other. And then obviously, you know, you, you got to invest that money. Um, you know, you, you, we talked about being a good steward of that money. Um, and so you're not designed to just money's not designed to just sit and be stagnant. It's supposed to move. It's supposed to move. Right. That's one of the biggest mistakes. That, can't take it with you. No, you can't. And, and you know, it's actually... You know, no disrespect to, to our parents or anything like that, but like we were taught, or at least in, in our family, like you, you work, you go, or excuse me, you, you go to school, you get a good education, you get a job, you save your money, so on and so forth. That's really not what it is. You know, you got to make that money work for you. Not these days. No. Who's not ever. ever. Yeah. Um, I got a question though, and I know you want to answer this too, because I'm curious what you think. Are we talking about a $3 million lottery or a $468 million lottery? We're talking about 468 Okay, we're talking about a big one. We're, talk, we're talking about, you know, that type of that that, that type of money where, like, man, I... I Generational I could, wealth. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not rich, wealth. Uh, we're talking about that kind of money. If I can say one thing... Uh, sure, sure. Definitely want to hear, but I want to hear... I flipped it on you guys. Here's one thing I've learned from working for myself. Man, you got to stay busy, dude. Yeah, Got absolutely. To stay busy because idle hands are literally workshop. the devil's workshop. And then you got to add that kind of fire where you can do whatever you want. I think I would travel. Like I didn't really explain what I would do. And I said hire a CPA. I would hire more CPAs. I would hire more attorneys. I would make sure everything is covered. I would also not be one of these guys. And I don't think that you guys are, would either. But there's a lot of people that are flashy. They get on the social media and oh, they be no. like, look at this, dude. I'm so glad so you said gone, that. Man. Oh, man. Look, I want to be a t-shirt and, and jeans, shorts and jeans, uh, shorts and shirt kind of guy, you know, where you wouldn't know. I, I may be shopping in Walmart still. Yeah, I would tell my family, but I'd probably live that Warren Buffett, Bill Gates life. Because the older I get, 
I like nice things, don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of nice things. But the older I get, I'm not defined by that stuff anymore. I've been there, I've done that. Sure. The experiences are what I'm talking about. And the giving back are important to me. And I've learned that through my own uphill journey, which I can share with you guys anytime. So, what would I do with it? Um, what do you do, Big Mo? So, like, let, let's let's say, for instance, I'm that guy in Wisconsin, I win the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing, you know, as far as claiming my money, like, hey, what time is your building closed? Six o'clock? <laughs> All right, cool. I'll be there at 5.59. And honestly, you can just slide my check underneath the back door. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to take a picture. I don't right. want your big fake cardboard check. I want no. none of that, right? Exactly. Okay, so then you get into, like, the logistics of it all. Yeah, hire an attorney, hire a lawyer, all that stuff, right? Well, we want to make sure we have the infrastructure set up to where taxes are taken care of and people don't, you know, the next thing you know, you don't have 50-something cousins you never met in your life before, right? Because they're coming. Absolutely. Which, by the way, I told you that I was at that party on Saturday night. Some guy gave me the strongest hug I've ever had from a man in my life. <laughs> I thought, it, honestly, he gave me a hug like he knew me. And I was, like, trying to read his faces like, man, I, I, I do my best not to forget names and faces. And he literally hugged me as if I, he was a long-lost family member of mine. And I got home and I told my wife, she's like, who was that? I was like, I don't know who the hell that guy was. <laughs> But anyway, back to the money stuff, right? Maybe your rich uncle you don't know about, man. No, I've never seen this dude in my life. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, the CPA, the attorney stuff, blah, 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 right? Of course, like everyone, clear the decks of every, any and everything that is owed. Um, you said as far as investing in money, moving, or whatnot. I've always told my wife, I want to set up, I want to set up a program for... I don't even call it like broadcasters. Or I would say more like orators, right? So people who like want to speak... Right. And just work with people for a living. I'm going to set up a school or some type of program or or a village or something like that that feeds people with those type of aspirations. My wife is a therapist. That's right. So um, she has a business now and whatnot, but we're going to have, at that point, we're going to have brick and mortar. We're going to have an actual facility Um, that will be to the utmost degree, obviously. Right. And then there is going to be a certain day to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit because it's kind of average amount of money, right? Um, you know, once you you know build your dream home or whatever, I'm like you, Cuffy. You're not gonna know I'm a multi-millionaire unless you come to my house. You're not gonna know. Ooh, I'm afraid I might get a little flashy. No, you won't. I'm afraid know. that you would not know. And see, what I, one of the things I would do, honestly, once I've taken care of all this stuff, I'm gonna go to the ATM and get a twenty-dollar bill out. And when it asks me, "Do you want a receipt?" Yeah, I want a receipt. <laughs> yeah. I want to receive. You got to keep track just, of it. Cause just, just to see what that looks like on that little slip of paper that they print out. I'll tell you what. You. I, I don't blame you because I'm very impulsive. I buy stuff and then I return it. I'm like, Trey, you don't have room for this. You don't have a need for this. But in that moment, I get a little crazy. Like I was telling y'all earlier on break, I wanted to try this retail arbitrage. I went and bought a bunch of stuff for low prices mm-hmm. and I was going to turn around and flip it. That thrill from the arbitrage, this happens to me all the time. I got so many uncompleted collections uh, because of this. My impulsiveness would get me in trouble if I won. This guy actually won. He took home $326 million after the the, the Powerball was 768 And all he wanted to do was have his bank account at $1,000. That's crazy. That's crazy. So before you just mentioned something we've been talking about in between segments and whatnot, two other questions and we can, we can jump to the retail thing, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's all I was going to say. We'll save that for another oh, time. Oh, okay, cool. So like, I'm a big history fan. Okay. And something like in regards to people, I ask two questions to a lot of people. People are like, oh, wow, you know, we'll see, we'll see what your answers are. Okay. 
So there's a, there's a, we're sitting at a round table, right? Let's say you're sitting at a big round table. There's six people. It's you and five others. Oof. Who are they? And it can't be a religious deity or Ooh. figure. Can't be. It's too easy. Tough. You want to go first? Uh, yeah. So I would do. And why? By the way. Wow, you're really throwing it out there, Mo. Um. Guys, let me think here. I would do Martin Luther King. Okay. Um, By the way, for those of you listening, if you have not been to the King Center in Atlanta, you have to go. I went a couple years ago. You have to go. You have to go. The King Center, the neighborhood where he grew up in, like all of that Atlanta, you have to go. It is it is a, a it's a must. Friends in Atlanta. Oh my gosh. It's that and, and the African American Museum in DC. Yeah, I think honestly, every American should have to go there and it probably helps solve a lot of problems that we got as far as race relations are concerned. And we won't go down that rabbit hole, but Yeah, people, we're gonna, that's getting kinda of dark here, so let's kinda you know, the belt. In man. so many ways. So, so many left turns. Yeah, I didn't mean like that. No, you're good. So I, I would do I would do Martin Luther King for sure. Um, Barack Obama, Jordan, Michael Jordan, yeah, Bill Clinton. And that guy that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about, which would be David Goggins. Have you, are you guys familiar with David Goggins? No, give me a quick recap on who this I've guy I've heard is. the name, but I'm not well versed. So David Goggins is this amazing, incredible dude, right? Like, he's a former U.S. Armed Forces uh, Navy SEAL, went through BUDS training. He, he, if you haven't heard of him, Google him. I know just because we're a little short on time. But check out his book, um, Can't Hurt Me. Read the book front to cover, I mean front to back, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. Basically, it talks about how this guy uh, literally came out of like the worst situation in life, um, decided to turn his life around when he was a teenager, go into uh, the armed forces, um, he started working at a company after he got done, uh, he started working at a company called Ecolab, cleaning up roaches and uh, roach infested uh, restaurants, things like that. And just got sick and tired of it and ballooned up to almost 300 pounds. Wow, this guy did? I'm looking at him right now. You would never know that. Yeah, ballooned up to like 295, um, tries to enlist into the, uh, uh, the, to be a SEAL, and is told, look, you got 60 days to lose 100 pounds. And he does it. And, and it goes on to talk about his story on, on how he's able to do that. But like... It's about, it's about the mentality, right? Um, you know, we all... I'm a huge Marion Williamson fan. Um, our deep... Or, I think the name of her book is... Or it's not her book. Her poem is Our Deepest Fear. It is absolutely what I try to live my, my life by. Um, we're all meant to shine. We all were born to make manifest the glory of God that's within us. It's not just within, within some of us. It's within everyone. And so I, I try to live by that. Um, and I think he really tapped into that. Um, you know, obviously the other ones most people know about, you know, Martin Luther King, Barack, MJ, just that competitive drive, the willingness to never settle and always try to find a way to win. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to hear Bill Clinton's stories. Since you said it couldn't be a religious uh, deity, obviously I would have Jesus in there, but, um, you know, that's not a part of this particular question. So... That that's who I guess would would round up my uh, my round table. How about you, Trey? That's good. Interesting. A lot of politics for years. A lot of politicians. Uh, for two. Years. Yeah. Clinton and Obama. 
Uh, I would have the man that's sitting right behind you at my table. That's Trey Anastasio, who it's no surprise that he's, I've been following his band for 26 years now, Fish. Uh, that guy's inspiring. He's been sober for 10 years. He is very humble. He is very grateful. He's been through a lot of the same struggles a lot of us have. People in, in my shoes uh, who have gone through kind of recovery and all kinds of stuff. He's been through drug court. So leave the music aside. The guy's a very humble, amazing individual. Uh, I think I would have Elvis at my table. I love Elvis. I love music, man. That's uh, a good one. I like that. I, I would love to have Elvis sit there. Fat Elvis or skinny Elvis, young Elvis, just Elvis. Bring it. Uh, I would have Ronald Reagan sit at my table. So, obviously, Reagan Bush, 84. I, I got a, or 88. I got a shirt that says that. So, I would do Ronald Reagan. Um, can we have family members? Yeah. I would have my maternal grandmother. My mom good. is mom. That's good. She would be my first pick, actually. That's good. So, and then, I'm trying to stay away from the religion. So, Jim Henson from the Muppets. Ha! That's good. I think he's one of the most creative, and you could say Walt Disney, too, but I'm more of a, a, a Sesame Street, or was, not, I'm Sarah watch Sesame Street now, but I, I'm not objected to it if it came on. So, I think Jim Henson is one of the most creative people in the entire world. And I would love to sit down and rack that guy's brain, man. For sure. Gotcha. With all my 468 mil. <laughs> He's probably got more. Y'all want mine? Let's go. Uh, I'm going to shock you, right? Rasputin. Okay. I love to just, just, and just to peer into that, into that brain. Rasputin. Uh, LeBron James. I knew that was coming. I'd love to have him at the table sure. or whatnot because you're literally talking about a guy who's about who's who's literally pushing the envelope to like when he's done when he's done I'm sure he's got a plan right so when he's done like, to see what his plan's going to be like when it's complete is mm-hmm. going to be amazing to right. see right yeah um, Rasputin LeBron James um, you know Barack's too easy that, that that's easy um, dang. Jay Prince, I would I would like to sit down at the table. Jay Prince after after listen to his you're audio gonna, book. You don't have to tell me who Jay Prince is. Um, are you familiar with? Uh, his name sounds familiar. Uh, well, you, you you're familiar with his music. Sure. Uh, you know Scarface, Bushwick Bill, The Ghetto Boys, Rap Lot Records. Yes, yes. Jay Prince okay. is the man behind all of that. Okay. I read his. I, read, I listened to his audio book a couple of weeks ago, and it's just about how he carries himself. How, how his business, his business principles, like in regards, like how how he believes in handling business, right? Like, I'm looking at him now on Google, right? It's very much like you know they they, they you know they the nickname of their label is called you know the mob, right? Right. And he very much they handle business in a mob like manner, as in if we have an issue with you, we sit down at the table and talk about it because we understand that like if we go to the other end of the spectrum, I like it, then no money's getting made. But it's very much like I come to you on a man-to-man level. Like, you, like I'm going to respect you, but you're going to respect me as well. We, right. we try to work it out like grown men. Uh, I like that. That's actually lost in today's society. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's, uh, and he's yeah. 54 years old. Yeah. You listen to his audio book. It's, it's, the name of the book is called The Art and Science of Respectability. It's something about the I'm going to check that out. And it's very – you've got some stories in there, man. Like, he's responsible for a lot of stuff in hip-hop. But the thing about it is they operate like the mob in the sense that like we're not out here for the credit, 
Like we're here to do our business and move on to the next objective. Like yeah. history will show what it is that we've done. Right? Okay, I uh, like that. Oh man, it's 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 a, and it's I'll have a to great check lookout too. It's a great yeah. listen. You got one more, right? Uh, this is uh, Jay Prince, Rasputin, LeBron. So I have two more. Okay. Um, you said I tried to shortchange him. No, no you're kidding. okay. Uh, we got plenty of time. So my my maternal grandmother as well. Uh, we're coming up on three years that she is that she we've lost her. Yeah. Um. Uh, just like I, I got the last voicemail that she left me before yep. she passed. Um, yeah, like it was still, one of the things she asked me, like when we knew she was sick, and you know, one one last thing she asked me, she was like, "Is there anything that you want me to leave you before when, you know, in the event that I'm not here one day?" And I'm one of eight eight of her grandsons, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm the third youngest, but I'm still referred to as the baby. It's a whole other. It's another conversation. Sure. And I just thought to myself. No, you've done everything you're supposed to do as a grandmother, but at the same time, like I wish she was here to see everything that's going on in a right. short two years, almost three years that she's not been here. Like, because life changes a house, very quickly. A baby, like I would just wish she was still New here job. To, to see all of this. Right. The vision um, lab. Yeah, the vision lab, right? Uh, Sit at my table. I'm mm-hmm. mad y'all chose grandmothers, and I, I was first well, on the list, so I didn't even get it. My grandmother died when I was four. And my fifth one, uh, my fifth one uh, would be Geronimo, the Indian, the Apache Indian. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking into history, and I would have Geronimo at my table because another one of my questions is that I, that I ask people, like, you know, if you could be present for two days in history, what two days would you like to be a fly on the wall for? I would like to ask Geronimo, the day you snapped and just decided you weren't dealing with the reservation crap anymore, like the day you said the hell with it, I'm not doing it. Like I want to see like what is like the, the mechanism in his brain that said no more. Like I would love to just hear him talk about the day, you know what, I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. Yeah. How about you and your government soldiers Come chase me in the mountains of New Mexico and Arizona and Texas. And I, I would just love to hear what he had to say about it. About it. One last question. And we'll get to wrap this up. Well, Let's, uh, how will Rasputin and Geronimo sit together at the table? Will they sit well <laughs> together at the table? Man, that'd be... <laughs> do you put the, the question is, do you, do you put them next to each yeah. other? What's the place you, seating like? Do you have them sitting across from each other? Like, that, that's a hell of a seating arrangement. You know? Depends on how entertained you want to be. Man, well... It, I, I want to sit on the outside of them because you don't want to be between the two because somebody might say something that the other doesn't agree with and then you know it's going to get violent. But yeah, yeah. that's a great question, man. Yeah, and we could go on for days, yeah, and yeah. we probably will. And, but and that's really you know what what the Vision Lab is about. Um, you know, we talked about how it gives a voice to the voiceless, but really tapping into the mental tapestry of each and every one of us, right? Like our minds have this circuitry that. Um, you know, I don't really think anyone truly, truly understands or knows, um, but we have so much power within us. And so it's really about how to tap into that and um, and get that out of you and really create the best version of yourself. And I know uh, on behalf of myself and Mo, um, like we certainly appreciate the amount of time that you allowed us to come onto your show. Sure. Um, it's been outstanding, guys. This is a fantastic podcast. So make sure that you are following hashtag no salsa. Hashtag salsa heads. Yep, be a salsa <laughs> head. Uh, we've been officially indoctrinated right. into the uh, no salsa no salsa um, world. And so again, thank you so much You're for welcome, allowing man. us to come on to your show. Hey, today. no problem. You know the, the key to getting on the show is just saying hey. 
can we jump on with you? Because this kind of happened overnight. And so I'm super glad that you guys got came in. I'm very glad to see you because it's been a while since I've seen you both other than Facebook, which I don't pay attention to much. I wish you the best. I hope that we can do this again. Absolutely. Before. Maybe we'll make this a Tuesday night thing. I'm in. I'm in. You know, y'all start bringing some more topics. I'm down. You know, unless I win that 468 mil, then, then you're gone. Then no, like but I still tell you guys where we're at. We'll broadcast from somewhere a little bit different. Just take us on vacation one time. We call it. Easy. That's it. All right, guys. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. All right, man. We'll see you next time. Salsa heads for Trey K3. Uh, I'm Trey K3, and so I'm gonna speak on my, by myself. But my guests Ryan Mosley and Ryan Cuffey, who are now part of the No Salsa family, we'll see you next time on No Salsa.